Hello and welcome back to the View Church Podcast. Uh, we're excited to be sitting down, and this episode is titled The Face of Love. And it was interesting, guys, to be sitting with the elders. So if you haven't heard that episode, definitely check that episode out because it will probably come across that it was pre-planned because as we ask each elder uh, and leader what they wanted the church to be, the resounding answer was really love. And it was it was a, 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 an incredible moment to know that that's both of your aims and then to have your elder board uh, echo that without any pre-planning, you know, just speaking from their hearts. It was a beautiful experience. And so we wanted to kind of take this episode so you guys can talk about, you know, what you feel in your souls about this church and what you want this church to be as pastors and what kind of pastors you want to be and how you can love this group um, in such a way that God is making, you know, creating more love in their life. And so, uh, Jeff, do you want to start um, as you guys start to discuss, you know, what what this feeling is that you have that was echoed with these leaders, th- these people that are supporting you? Um, it does seem to be the core of, of everything that you do, uh, whether it's uh, meeting with people or whether it's uh, having an elder meeting. It does seem to be central to View Church. And so we kind of want to talk about the centrality of that and, and, and what the face of love uh, will look like? Well, I, I think the face of love, the primary form it would take would be the face of God. First mm. um, John uh, describes God as love, and it's, 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 it's everybody that, that, uh, that claims to be a follower of God is going to be a person who, who is anchored in love. And so that's, exactly who and what we want to be we want to be loving we want to be loving toward our community toward each other i know the in the pastoral vocation um if if you are unloving people learn that very quickly mm-hmm. um and usually it it comes across um uh, with um pastors who aren't necessarily sincere mm. Um, and I'm not thinking of any particular pastor. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking in generalities. Um, people get a sense when they're genuinely cared for, when mm. they're genuinely loved. Mm. Um, and they, they also get a sense when, when they're not. Mm. And so I think the thing that it, to say that you're a church that loves and to say that you want to reflect the face of love is to take on a tremendous responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because when you say that you're loving, you're, you're really representing the character of God. And to do that well and to do it responsibly requires a, a level of spiritual engagement with the Spirit. Mm. You cannot love as God loved unless you are connected to God uh, in such a way that you become a channel. Uh, you become a conduit mm. uh, for, for God's love. And so everyone talked about love as as is sort of the, one of the founding, if not the founding principle um, that we want to uh, move into and live into uh, as a church. Now, here's the interesting thing about it, is that love is a contested idea. Mm. There's not universal agreement in every situation and circumstance as to what's loving. Mm. And so that's why when we come together as a community and we consider the needs and we consider the, 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 the pain points mm. in our community, we ask ourselves, 
what does it mean to be loving to the single mom who's also got to deal with virtual schooling? Mm. Uh, how do we best enter into that situation in a way that is loving and, and kind and compassionate? Mm. Because sometimes without carefully thinking things through, the, the desire to be loving and the, the wish that we were loving mm. uh, could actually be to somebody's detriment. Mm. And so love is contested and together as we work through what it means to be loving in certain specific situations in our community, mm. that's where the real work of love happens is, mm. is, is being wise and being very well connected to the spirit of love so that we will know how God would have us love in different situations. Yeah. And it, I, I think that a lot of people have been on the other side, like you were talking about of the church showing up and almost as uh, we're here to save you. Like, you know, we're here to, and it's about us and we're, we're here to bring this to you versus having a lot of empathy and sitting back and looking for discretion to say, how do we serve in a loving way? What this individual is going through? I think that's a really powerful question because oftentimes this is what we're here to do and we're coming and this is what we're going to do. So that's just a, that's a lot of empathy. And I think that that's a big part of having the face of love. What about you, George? Um, Yeah. The task of the church is to, to love because God is love, just like Jeff said. And um, you know, there's so many other things that can get in the way. And to, you know, to Jeff's point of, you know, maybe it's just asking someone how they need to be loved or mm-hmm. how they need to be cared for. It isn't having this concept of what love is in a particular relationship or a particular moment right. that, you know, comes to full bear on it. Um, you know, the kind of divine love we're talking about, it's helpful. Mm. And it, you know, uh, is empathetic and it has compassion and it asks questions on how it can be most helpful. So, yeah, there, you know, uh, love is a very broad thing and um, it's very unique in different situations and different relationships, but it is the aim and it is possible. And uh, it is what Jesus models for us is Mm -hmm. this kind of divine love that changes everything and and Mm -hmm. heals the world and heals the soul. And so uh, even though... um, you know, lots of people see it in many different ways. We, you know, it should never stop being our aim mm-hmm. to, to deepen in it and to want to, uh, the mission of the church is to put love where it needs to be or where it isn't. <laughs> and uh, so we really see love as, as the mission of the church. It's, it's the, the what, it's what we do. Yeah, and I think, Jeff, you were talking earlier about um, the unloving nature. Sometimes you, you arrive at the way that you want to be by, experiencing what you don't want to be. And, and that's, that's, that can be taken two ways. One is a, a judgmental approach where, you know, you have an experience and and you judge it or you say, no, this, this is going to provide me wisdom. And so, you know, you said earlier, but I'd like for you guys to elaborate a little bit more on like, what kind of pastors do you aspire to be? Um, taking your years and years of experience of, um, of helping people, maybe coming up short, sometimes helping people that you thought you could help, um, you guys have a lot of experience baked in and you get the opportunity now um, as you start your new church to create what it means to be a pastor. And that's, uh, I'm glad you said that Jeff earlier, taking on, that's a, that is a large responsibility. And I think to, to say that we're going to be the face of love, it's not just a marketing gimmick. Like that is a big responsibility 
to have. And I think that for you guys to accept that responsibility is a big deal. And I know that you take very seriously, I know you both have probably overanalyzed a little bit on what kind of pastor you want to be. But as you've been able to have the freedom to design this the way you want to design it and the way that you want the church to look, what is it that you see as your role as a pastor, as you've changed through your vocational, um, you've, you've been educated in different ways and you've lived life. So what is it that you now see as your role as a pastor that maybe previously um, you didn't know about yourself? I think for me, it's about helping people imagine whatever they need to imagine um, to get to the, 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 the place where transformation is happening in their lives. Mm. And often, getting people to that place means very gently but very deliberately mm. challenging their assumptions, mm. challenging their biases, uh, asking them to um, imagine uh, what it would be like to be uh, a person who lives in poverty or lives uh, on the street or mm. uh, you know, asking people to imagine what it might be like to be uh, a black child living in a, in a predominantly white world. Right. Um, asking people to, because I think what we have uh, a lot with a, a lot of the social justice um, stuff that's going on right now yeah. and some of the resistance to that that mm. I've seen uh, in a lot of uh, Christian communities, it's really a failure of imagination. Mm. Um, not being empathetic or, or, or failing to empathize is failing to imagine. Mm. And when I say that, I mean, failing to imagine what it might feel like to be uh, constantly discriminated against or mm. failing to imagine how it might feel uh, to uh, experience the kinds of things that um, that are uh, that black people experience in mm. this world uh, or, or LGBT mm. uh, folks experience in this world and and understanding that their experiences are real. They're not lying when they say they, f they feel discriminated against mm. or, they, or that, that, that there's, uh, they feel uh, injustice being done. Mm. And uh, so, so just saying, just, just imagine what that's like. Mm. And so for me, it really is about, about asking people to, to rethink some of their uh, uh, assumptions mm. and rethink some of the things that they've maybe learned in the past from church or experienced uh, uh, in their lives and, mm. and, and maybe just think about life and think about spirituality, God, the gospel, all those things. There are different ways of seeing and different mm. ways of thinking about those things that can help us to grow. But if we stay in our, in our same mode of thinking and our mm. same mode of operation and we're never challenged to go beyond that, then growth isn't going to happen. Mm. And so it's really about getting people to think differently so that growth might happen so that mm. they may transform. That's really good. What about you, George? Like you've been serving, you've, you've been a lead pastor, you've worked on staffs. You've now you get the opportunity to create, you know, this is your role. This is your, um, as a co-pastor, you get to put your, your mark on it. So what, what do you envision as your role now as a pastor that maybe in the past through your, through your understanding of certain things and through your experience, um, 
What, what, how do you see your role now as a pastor? Continuing to learn how to love mm. um, and learning how to love a particular people mm. in a particular space over a particular time. Mm. And that is how we see pastoral work. It's like um, we're still growing. We're still learning what this looks like. But we know it's that. We know it's loving people in such a way that they could become who God is making them to be. And so, uh, you know, uh, often in a church experience, the success of a church experience is, you know, did you like the sermon or, you know, did you like the songs that the worship team um, has sung? And often as a pastor, you know, it's a judgment of your performance. Mm. And uh, Jeff and I, we both love encouragement. We hope people would be uplifted <laughs> and and, and uh, feel hope and and um, help in, in, in a sermon. But I think what means would matter most to us is that people would have a sense that their hearts opened in such a way that they're learning something of mm. what it means for them to be who God's made them to be. Yeah. And so uh, that's, and, and two things that I think over time that I've learned that are really important. One is just how to be a dependable pastor. Mm. Um, you know, it's, um, it's honesty, mm. it's authenticity. Um, and the second part of that is it's it's being an unbusy pastor that isn't too busy to to uh, be open to learn how to love in a particular moment or in a particular situation of someone's life. So mm. it's not showing up with all the wisdom ahead of time, you know, to be the answer for them from on right. high, but it's joining them in something and um, being... Uh, humble enough to open your heart to what does it mean for me to love in this moment that could be mm. most helpful and meaningful to them. Mm. So, uh, that, that really moves us and, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's a motivating factor in why we want to be pastors. I read a, a, a series of books by Eugene Peterson in, in the late eighties and it was inviting people to be these kinds of pastors, the unbusy pastor, the, mm. the dependable pastor. And then I got in pastoral work, and I found that there were so many things that worked against that. Oh, yeah. And what I initially fell in love with at the beginning, I found that it was really hard to do in everyday mm. ministry mm. and in a lot of church settings. So I think one of the things we hope to do um, with View Church is to, um, to create space and the kind of pastoral work that those things can can really be central and mm -hmm. matter and, and really be meaningful in, in others' lives. Yeah, and I think that's a really great um, segue to kind of close on is, you know, you learn from experience of things seeing, as you said, like you you have this idea of what it's like to be a pastor, then you get into the roles and you realize like it's a lot of admin or whatever else that, that pops up. What and, and those those are the things that are you would probably classify as negative experiences. But what has been inspirational for you? What has mm -hmm. what has been some guiding lights um, for you to kind of use and borrow to say, yeah, that's that's kind of the North Star. What has been some of the inspiration for you, George, um, in finding that? I know you mentioned, mm -hmm. you said Eugene yeah. Peterson. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, G Eugene Peterson, his pastoral series, um, his book on pastoral work and the vocation mm. um, has marked my life. It's why I said yes to it, <laughs> mm. um, because I saw something in those that said, I want to do that. Mm. And uh, to, a, a real simple thing, Jake, that... You know, what has shaped me in that is I remember a young, as a young man uh, leaving 
uh, a church service and, and an Italian pastor in the back would hug me. <laughs> and I felt something in that embrace and he would say, que pasa, you know, <laughs> and he would just put his arms around you. And um, I didn't, I don't remember a thing the guy said. Right. Um, and especially as a, as 11, 12 year old or a 13 year old. But what I do remember was what I felt when he put his arms around me. And mm. I felt that I was being loved by a human being, but by something even beyond a human mm. being. It felt divine. And I wanted my life um, work to mm. somehow embody that and, and share that with others in every way, any way we can. Mm. That's powerful. What about you, Jeff? What has been some of the things that have inspired you, some of the things that have kind of stoked, stoked your heart towards leaning more into as a pastor? I think seeing the transformation that happens in people mm. and, uh, you know, when, when, uh, and I, I'm, I want to, I want to tag on to something George said a minute ago about the unbusy pastor, because it's one of those things that, you know, that I really had lights going on when, when he said that, because one of the temptations in pastoral ministry, because when, when you sit down with people and you're, you're counseling them, and they're telling you about their marriages falling apart, or they're telling you about uh, a loved one who is who's gotten bad news from the doctor, or they're telling you about their children who are wayward, or whatever it is. You're absorbing that, mm. all right. That's that's becoming uh, you, you. You take that with you. Mm. And uh, in some professions, you can you know you can leave everything at the door, and you get in your car and you drive home, and mm. and you know then it's it's there for you when you wake up the next morning. Right. You show up. But in pastoral work, often it follows you, uh, and it's not something you can just check at the door very easily. So one of the things that, that is tempting for pastors is to, is to busy ourselves with things that keep us away from that. Mm. And so, um, you know, we're spending, we spend a lot of time in planning meetings, or we spend a lot of time in programming, and then, well, okay, how can we make the, the mm. church service better, and how can we do better transitions, and when should the fog machine come on, or, you know, all that <laughs> right. stuff. Yeah. And, and that stuff is insulating, because it, it keeps us away from the pain, and the, and the suffering, and even the joy, and the wonder that is this congregation that we're pastoring. Mm. And so in many ways, the unbusy pastor, although he or she opens up to a lot of carrying that baggage and having to help walk people through the most difficult things in their lives, being busy robs you of the joy and mm. the deep love that you grow into when, mm. when, you're, when you're helping people navigate these things. Mm. And simply being aware of the presence of God for them when they are so overcome with pain that they cannot be literally cannot be aware of the presence of God mm. uh, in their situation. And so I would say that that and I'll, I'll admit that's a temptation for me. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's like, would you rather be in a, in a person's hospital room who's about to die or would you rather be, uh, you know, planning the next uh, uh, fun yeah. you know, event on the lawn. And mm. it's like, well, of course, it'd be a lot more fun to be planning the big fun event on the lawn. But where is the, pa where is the pastor created to be? Mm. And it's in that hospital room. Mm. And so those are the things that I think we really holding each other accountable to make sure that, that we both stay on track and that we both, we go, hey, this is what we signed up to care for and to love a community. Mm. And if we... 
you know, if we want to do good church services, absolutely. But I wasn't born to produce a killer church service. Mm. Um, you know, we feel like that we, we were born and that we were made to love a particular group of people in a particular place in a particular time. And that's mm. what we want to grow in and, and be better at. Yeah. And it's really, really powerful to say um, it. I, I just appreciate the honesty with what keeps you from it. Right. Because I, I think that is that is the fear. And I think that I don't know a lot of I don't know if people know that as a pastor, you really do take on a lot more so than just, quote unquote, risking or anything like that, like you feel, you feel with people and it's, it's not something that after you've had that coffee, you can just snap out of and be like, okay, well back to life. Like that, that comes inside of you. And that is, that is very open and vulnerable. But I, I also feel like when it happens, just as you mentioned, George, I was going to ask you one final thing, Jeff is, was there anybody in your life growing up pastor or not pastor that, 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 that embodied that and that made a big impact? Um, through your life, no matter what age, but what you're talking about, that experience of being with someone, was there someone as you were in your instrumental years that, uh, that was that for you? Um, my, it was, it was my brother-in-law, um, a guy named Clifton Rankin Mm. and, uh, Clifton married my oldest sister and, uh, he was a Southern Baptist pastor, went to Southwest Theological Seminary in Fort Worth and Mm. pastored many Southern Baptist churches and, and, his authenticity was uh, off the charts. And so when he would talk about loving people and he would talk about, uh, you know, showing up in their lives and, and being the hands and feet of Christ to them, I, I would have watched him do it all week. Mm. And so um, I, I was fortunate enough to, to serve on staff with him at a church and got to watch him do it. And, and it, was, it was incredible. If I can tell a personal story. Yeah. Um, when I was a senior in high school, Two weeks before my high school graduation, my sister and niece were killed in a car crash. Mm. And it was Lydia. It was Clifton's uh, wife. Oh, wow. And uh, I'll never forget the, the, at the funeral, church was packed. It was, it was probably 1,100, 1,200 people at this wow. funeral. And he was sitting down front with, with the rest of us. And, you know, they were, in, uh, they were at a transition point in the, in the funeral programming. And so it was between, I think, the, the, um, the, the obituary and a scripture reading. Mm. And he got up and walked up to the podium. This was unannounced, unplanned. And uh, he turned around and said to this room full of people, he said, I tell people all the time who are facing situations like this, they've lost somebody they've loved unexpectedly. He said, I tell people, excuse me, I tell people all the time to lean on the presence of God in these situations. And I'm here to tell you that it works. Mm. And he just sat down. Now there's nothing incredibly profound about what he said, but what amazed me was that, that this man who had just lost his wife and his daughter in a car crash was able to stand up and walk up and face those people and say, you can lean on God during these difficult times. And I just always remember going, the strength and the courage mm-hmm. to be able to get up and say that yeah. was remarkable. And a person who's not rooted in love and a person who is not practicing love in their lives probably doesn't get up and make that statement. Mm. And so he's probably the one that I grew up admiring the most, watching him do ministry the way uh, I'd like to model you know, my life after. Yeah, that's really powerful. So, George, um, 
anybody else that was even growing up, whether they were a pastor or not, I know we may have talked a little bit about it, but someone that just was the face of love uh, for you growing up that you got to experience, because it's one thing to want to step into that as a pastor and um, to know that that's going to be your the way that you define how you are as a pastor and your success. It's another thing to have experienced it personally and to know what that actually feels like. So can you think of anybody through those instrumental years, maybe even later in your life, that was just the, the face of love for you when you needed them? Um, just, just someone to be that for you. Yeah, um, Jake, I've, uh, it's almost like my heart has grown over time to uh, and fill that and sense that with every human being. Mm. That um, there's something in the human heart that I feel God's love through. Um, and uh, there was a story of Thomas Merton downtown um, Louisville, and he, he walked out into the street, and Thomas Merton was a, a, a priest. And but he'd walked in the street of downtown Louisville, and he said every human being he saw, he felt love for. He didn't know them; they were just strangers. But he felt this love, and that resonated so deeply with me because, um, as I've had examples of that, like um, this pastor, um, the way he would hug me, um, my heart has opened up in such a way that I've learned to 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 experience that in so many different human beings. They're not just the people that you might think are right. the ones that would right. be a, a model of that. And Maybe so, they weren't even aware they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it could happen in the most unlikely mm. places. So, uh, yeah, there's been lots of voices and lots of experiences. But um, I really want to, one of the most notable thing, or one of the most notable things is to how we can experience God's love just through the normal, mm. ordinary human being, like Jeff and I. Mm. <laughs> we don't consider ourselves exceptional. Right. And, um, you know, to be the dependable pastors that we desire to be, and I know one of the things that would give us the greatest joy is that we wouldn't miss a moment to, um, because God's present. God's present always. Mm. But um, he's not always readily uh visible to others mm. and so I think one of the things of being a dependable pastor is that you, you you're working out your own salvation there's spiritual practices and there's a, a, a real relationship with God that um, you could be with people in such a way that you could help them see God's presence when mm. maybe they they couldn't see it and that does take an unbusy mm. dependable person that is um, tuned in and their hearts dialed, dialed into divine love and so Jeff and I find great joy in doing that work personally and yeah. you know, within our own hearts because we want to be able to share that with others in such a way that they wouldn't go, oh, you get that from Jeff or George. You get it from the guy who's supposed to be the expert in you know, showing you divine love, but mm. perhaps you could see yourself as being a part of that and, and share it and find it in places you might be totally surprised to experience yeah. it. And I think that that's a beautiful sentiment as you think about a church opening is, I think what you're both saying is to, to be humble, to have that role as a pastor, but to also invite the congregants, anybody that comes, that they themselves are the face of love, and to go out from the church, to love obviously within the church and, and the people that are part of this, but then to go and walk down through the, the, the area of Bellevue and to be just have that love for, for people that are here in that community. It's, 
it's a beautiful thing. So I think thank you guys for um, sitting down and, and being open and honest and vulnerable. Um, and I know that you live it, and I know that the people that um, that will come to the church and that are already a part of the church are experiencing it. It's embodied in the elder board, which is a beautiful thing and a really important thing. And um, I know that that is the core of View Church. And I think when people get a taste of it and they're able to really experience it and, and to feel it and to know that they can then transmute that outward so that it doesn't just, it's not something they personally experience, they can also go and give that out. That's a very powerful thing. Well, thank you guys for sitting down and we thank you guys for listening to this episode. You guys take care. Bye.